You'd think David Stern knows everything conceivable that there is to know about the sport of basketball, but he's still learning. I really began to understand that the nature of our game and all sports was changing. They were going to be much more dependent on technology. The former NBA commissioner and Davion Ross join us to talk about investing in real-time data. This is the Sport Techie Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. David Stern never did retire from basketball. Now he's buying into its future. We'll catch up with him and Davion Ross in a few. But first, the news from the merge of sports and technology. One of the coolest games will be on display at the New York City Marathon, where competitors can race against each other using a touchpad like those used by Dance Dance Revolution. For those of you who aren't familiar with Dance Dance Revolution, it's exactly what you think it is. But the twist comes with this ability. You could race in a wheelchair. The exhibition is located in Central Park, among the other features, some real race prediction software. If you're looking for an inside view of what it is like to be a professional esports player, the youth sports digital startup Overtime is going to follow five Fortnite gamers who are vying for a $1 million prize. The series is titled The Gaming Life. It tracks five strangers who are trying to put the band together to win big. Among the investors in Overtime, former NBA commissioner David Stern. The Red Sox are the new world champions of baseball. Their brand is strong. Former Sox manager Terry Francona has helped turn rival Cleveland into a contender these days. And now the team is working with Hook It to try to find out how far their brand can extend. The partnership will track and measure social media engagement for players and the team and help cultivate the sponsorships that do have reach. The group already has similar deals in place with the Oakland Raiders and the Washington Wizards. The NHL has made two significant announcements this week. Hockey is following the NBA by working out a deal to make MGM Resorts their official sport betting partner. And that will include MGM exclusive access to the league's advanced game data. This does make you wonder exactly how the league can protect that data from other entities that are using techniques to analyze as well. MGM clearly believes there will be a difference. Here's the answer, though. League-wide tracking devices used in the puck and on players, and it will be implemented soon by the 2019-2020 hockey season. That information will be used for setting lines and props for the MGM, but also could have use in various new model broadcasts, whether they're traditional partners or through the league's entities. Data collection. It is not a novel idea to former NBA Commissioner David Stern, who is helping guide Shot Tracker into the future of hoops analysis. He and Davion Ross join us next. Sport Techie listeners, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Sign up for the daily newsletter at sporttechie.com. Follow us or me on Twitter at sporttechie and at RealBramW. Our guests this week are the former commissioner of the National Basketball Association, David Stern, and Davion Ross, one of the founders of Shot Tracker. Thank you both for joining us. Great to be here. Thank you for having us. David, I want to start with you for a moment because we're going to get into really what is your post-career, which is you're an investor and you're a board member of a number of different startups. But, But as you were stepping down as commissioner, what kind of lured you in this direction? 
Well, I, I really began to understand that the nature of our game and all sports was changing. They were going to be much more dependent on or possibly devoted to or, com- or impelled by technology, whether it's broadcast technology, analytic technology, uh, video technology, biometric technology, and I really was very curious to see what the next generation of sports viewing was going to be like. You know, you clearly were involved in all of those aspects as the commissioner. What did you learn um, through this process in getting directly involved with these companies? Well, what I learned was the march goes on. That while I was at the NBA, we went from broadcast to cable to satellite to digital television, to the internet, to social media, but that's really just the, be- and, and I, just the beginning. I, was, I, I, I still think that uh, you know, high definition and 4K are going to be two of the greatest inventions for sports broadcasting, but suddenly began to see that analytics were going to play a, a large role, and so you have to go with the flow and to see what's happening, and biometrics and virtual reality and streaming, over-the-top programming, uh, that the, the, the flow uh, of the development of how people are going to be absorbing their sports just never stops. And, and Davion, da- exciting. data collection is part of what you do here. In simple terms, what does ShotTracker do? ShotTracker is a sensor-based technology, and, and in its essence, we actually capture um, the location of player and ball um, within two to five centimeters and, and, and provide real-time, and when I say real-time, I mean instantaneous, you know, statistics and analytics that can be used by players, coaches, fans, broadcasters, uh, market makers, you name it. So we're aggregating that data in, a, in an aut- autonomous fashion and providing it to, to different constituents. You have done this, is it test form? Is that the way you would describe this at this point, that you've done this in live games on the collegiate level in test form? Would you describe it that way? Yeah, I think, I think it's fair to say it's, it's in test form. Uh, we were very fortunate to be able to partner with the NAIA um, a couple years ago, and um, those iterations were critical for where we are today. I, I'd like to say, um, you know, it's been preparing us for, for the big dance, which is what we have coming with the Hall of Fame Classic, but... Um, you know, right now we have 100-plus games under our belt between, you know, the NAIA, a couple of collegiate games. Um, we just did a KU game last week, um, and then the junior NBA. So we have, a, you know, 100-plus games under our belt, which, you know, has just been preparing us. We, we've been able to get better every single day, every single game. And it's been a, a great learning experience for the company. So when we get to the Hall of Fame Classic, what are coaches or teams, what are they going to be able to access in real time? Today, there's a... Uh, a rule within the NCAA that doesn't allow you to have technology on the bench. And we've received um, a waiver from the NCAA for the Hall of Fame Classic that allows us to get to give access to technology on the bench for the coaches. Uh, coaches are going to get um, the traditional box score in real time. Um, they'll get shooting char- sh- shot charts um, for both teams going down to the player level in real time with the ability for them to filter based on different you know, analytical criteria. Uh, They'll get optimal lineups. So, hey, how is this lineup that I am using today performing versus, you know, a second or third or fourth lineup? Um, And they'll get advanced analytics 
um, that, that give them information about, you know, how they're performing, whether it's transition versus half court, whether it's ball reverses versus paint touches or both, um, whether it's, hey, how, what's my points per possession and my field goal percentage if I have less than three passes, three to five passes. So um, it's going to provide them a lot of analytics to, um, to give them insight about the game. And, of course, once you're getting that data in-game, um, it gives you the opportunity to make changes on the fly where you could see what's working, what's not working, et cetera. I would just add two two perspectives on that. One is teams are going to have this installed at their practice facilities or their main gyms so that at each practice, at the end of it, there's literally every player will have either on his uh, on his device or on a printout of it if, if, he, if the coach wants to go there know exactly what he's shot from each position and how he's doing. Based upon how many shots he's taken, where his best shot is or what needs improvement. And he can see it and the coach can see it. Uh, In the game itself, this issue of uh, real time, I'm just going to cross-examine Davion because I know he loves it. (laughs) Davion, what does real time mean? Well, yeah, so that's, that's a, look at David, David Stern over here throwing alley-oops. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so, so real-time is, you know, I, I think for us the definition of real-time um, is, you know, sub-second, meaning that um, it, it's instantaneous. It's not five seconds delayed. It's not three seconds delayed. It's not a minute delayed. It is instantaneous. So you, as you're seeing, you know, most times if a shot goes up, you're seeing that dot on the shot chart, I mean, by the time you look down to your phone, because and Bra- it's instantaneous. And, and Bram, that may have some uh, important functionality with respect to the advent of sports betting. Yeah. Because if the, uh, if the potential better has faster and therefore better information than the uh, enterprise that's taking the bet, that really tilts the odds dramatically to the better. And so uh, this is an important reason why many of the companies that are engaged in uh, transmitting gambling information, betting information, are interested in what Shot Tracker can do. David, what what was your general view of the overturn of PASPA and allowing for the proliferation of, of sports gambling? My own view underwent a transformation of types. Once fantasy was held to be okay, it didn't make any sense to prohibit gambling, betting, because people were betting anyway. They were just calling it daily fantasy. Davion, as you look at this, how does this fit into what is the growing sports gambling space? Well, I think as David mentioned, it definitely fits, right? Um, You know, right now our focus is to make sure that we, you know, are giving coaches and conferences and all the different groups the the right data to make the the information. But the thing that I think is going to be powerful is that it's going to change the engagement level of the game. Um, I I go back to the days when I first played fantasy, and normally, you know, I'm I'm based in Kansas City, go Chiefs. you know, I'm based in Kansas City, and normally I'd watch Chiefs games. But when I started to play fantasy, my engagement level across the whole NFL um, was, was, was substantially different. And I think what we've seen is historically in, in Europe and, you know, in other areas where 
um, being able to gamify the game and, and being able to, you know, to, 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 to do predictions and stuff in game has really changed the engagement of the end users. And I think that, um, I think that's going to be a, a very substantial growth opportunity um, as, as we see the proliferation and, and, and the Supreme Court ruling comes to fruition on a, on a, on a, on a national scale. David, do you think they're going to incorporate sports gambling information into traditional broadcasts? <laughs> the answer to that is a simple yes. Yeah. I just think that we are on the cusp, and it may take a couple of years or, so, or maybe three or four, of a next generation of, uh, of information that is going to go with the broadcast of a game. There's going to be uh, social media involved in your watching of the game. There's going to be the ability to bring up statistics of any time you might request. There's going to be the ability to, in effect, watch the game with avatars or representing friends of yours, etc., by Wi-Fi. And there's going to be the ability to bring up artificial intelligence that, or machine learning that's going to give you a history of statistics if you're curious. Uh, there's going to be an ability to have somebody else broadcast the game. If, you don't, if you're not favoring the play-by-play announcers, you're going to be able to yeah. choose from the play-by-play announcers in a way what Amazon did with Thursday Night Football, which feed you wanted to listen to. And if you keep going with that line, you're going to come to the conclusion, why not odds and why not the ability to make a bet as well? The only other thing I would add to that is, I mean, we're seeing that already, right? Like if you think about Bison, who is, uh, you know, I think is, is Brent Musburger. Um, I mean, right now they're starting to syndicate, you know, a, a betting show that, that, is, that is being picked up by, you know, a lot of the different broadcasters. So I think everybody's thinking about it, and it, it's probably inevitable. Um, David, could you put your hat on for, for being, we had touched on the idea of here's this technology and, and you want the coaches and the teams and the conferences at some point have to say, yes, we're going to allow this to happen. Um, what would be their concerns about allowing technology on a bench that collects real-time data? I don't think there's a valid concern. I think they, the, the big reason behind these rules perhaps was the ability of some teams to get quicker access than others, how it might play in a competitive set where the home team might have a different line uh, connecting their devices that was faster than the visitor. Uh, Once it becomes acceptable as a practice, everyone's going to do it because why would you want to hide yourself from what's going on in the court at a level deeper than just a sheer box score. If all of a sudden I were a coach and I could know after five minutes, as all the fans are going to know, that the combination of you know of two, four, six, and ten player is much better than you know one, three, five, seven, and nine. Uh, I want that information myself so I can make changes on the run. I'd like to know that every time player X. Uh, goes up, dribbles it up, and shoots. He shoots a very bad low percentage, but if he uh, allows some of his teammates to get a touch, 
he's going to do better. And that's, you can't deny that if those facts are right in front of you. Damien played the game at a higher level, so he can speak to that. But you can, there are so many different aspects that Shot Tracker can reveal to the coach. Right, Damien? That's, that's exactly right. I mean, we had a situation at the you know, NAIA tournament, and, and, and please note that the NAIA tournament didn't have the tech on the bench, but they had the tech at the halftime. And it was incredible to see a coach being able to pull up the shot chart of the opposing team. And I remember the opposing team had a left-handed player who was an incredible two-guard. And when we looked at his shot chart, and as simple as just a shot chart, right, we're just talking very simple here. We're not even talking advanced analytics. But being able to show his team the shot track, shot chart, that guy was, I think, one for three on the left side. And he was probably like seven for nine on the right side. And, you know, the whole thought process is every time he was coming back left, and being on the right side allowed him to come back left and shoot that jump shot. And that was a simple thing that, you know, while we're sitting there in the locker room, we, we looked at the coach, brought that up to his team, and they changed the game around. So you imagine getting that information in real time where now you're not at the half and you're down by some deficit that you have to work from. You know, being able to change that, as David said, within the five-minute mark is, is going to be extremely productive um, for these teams. And I think it's going to increase the level of competition, um, and it's going to give every team access to the same amount of data that can allow them to – I mean, I think it's going to be a better game over and out. And the numbers won't lie so that when you t- indicate to a player that every shot he just took from 26 feet didn't fall, but you know, but 9 out of the 10 he might take from 19 do better, then that player is going to alter his habits as well. And he's going to start out in practice but take it with him into the game. Um, Davion, could you take us through kind of the the maturation of you collect all this data, um, you want to turn it around and so that it is useful to teams or eventually to viewers or gamblers or whatever it may be. Can you take us through how you guys decided to get to the relevant information so that you could disseminate it quickly? Absolutely. Um, I think there's a couple of things that we had to solve before we even got to the information piece, right, which is just making sure that you have the infrastructure and the architecture and the means of how you gather the data to allow it to be sub-second response times, um, which is a very critical point because in this day and age, you know, the definition of real-time has varied across multiple people, right? People think real-time is, you know, one second, two seconds, five seconds, and we're saying that you have to get it instantaneous to be able to do this. Um, That's the first piece. The second thing is, Um, we've been very fortunate to work with a lot of exceptional coaches. And, you know, every time we go into a customer, I think that we said, what are are the five things that are important to you? And if you had this information in the game, what would you want? And I tell you what, these coaches know what they want. And what we did was gather that information from numerous coaches, top-tier coaches at, you know, some of the, you know, top 25 universities at the Division I level, and we started constructing our algorithms that are able to provide that information to them. And, you know, the things people want to see the box score, of course, because, you know, the box score is somewhat of a representation of how the game is going. I like to tell people that when you look at, you know, my golf card, you know, it can tell you I had a par, but it doesn't necessarily tell you that I went out of bounds and I chipped one in from 100 to make par. And, and that's what we started to you know, provide data to, to these coaches so that they understand um, not just the what, but the how. 
and giving them the, 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 the components that they can filter on their shot chart to understand, hey, is this three versus two? Is this when they make X number of passes? Um, is this when they have two ball reversals or paint touch? So we just went through those iterations with coaches, and, you know, coaches know best. And I think our team did a really good job about listening to our customers and understanding how they would use the data and what information they needed to be successful. And over time, we were able to, you know, come up with some of the core things that, you know, I, I would say is universal to all coaches. There's still onesie, twosie things that, like we had one coach tell us that, you know, in his 30-year career, if he is scoring – 70% of his points um, before the shot clock gets – before the shot clock goes by like eight, nine seconds. It means that it's a heavy transition games, and he's going to win, you know, probably 90-plus percent of those games. So it's just, for, you know, getting feedback from the coaches and, and then writing the algorithms and, and making sure that, you know, it's it, it delivered in a way that these coaches can easily consume it. David, if I told you in the mid-1980s when you took over as commissioner we'd be talking about the game this way, what would you have said? I would say, what are you smoking? And that may be the next subject for discussion. Well, uh, <laughs> that's a different podcast, but <laughs> go on. Podcast, we'll have that. But, but actually, I'm, I'm laughing with you and at myself. I testified in favor of PASPA in 1991, I think it was, as commissioner. And it was a, a serious item of faith that sports leagues could not support betting on their games and should not support betting on their games. And I was consistent on that for some a lot of different reasons, but then maybe one or two, but Daily Fantasy uh, turned me around on that because I thought that what we wanted to do as sort of keepers of the faith was to have our sports fans our home team fans be happy if the home team won. And the last thing we wanted to do was have Junior upset that the home team won but didn't cover. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, that, uh, that's a quaint, a quaint old uh, perception of mine which uh, had to undergo uh, some changes because of Daily Fantasy. Well, yeah, well listen, I, be, I, I can be happy if the Wizards beat the Timberwolves, but Carl Anthony Towns has a triple-double. You know, I mean, can I? Can I have both of those? No, I'm not sure <laughs> that you can be happy. Because All right. If the, if, if, if the Wizards win and they didn't cover and you had a <laughs> bet on them to cover, you're going to go home upset with them. For not covering. Uh, well, maybe. I don't, I'm not emotionally attuned to that yet, but we'll see how it works out. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a little. Bram, you wouldn't be, Bram. You wouldn't be happy if uh, if you were playing fantasy sports fantasy against someone who had towns and they beat you by one point. <laughs> you would well. be very upset if they beat you by one point and and, and uh, towns had that type of a night. Well, listen, we're, we're in a complicated place here now, so I'm going to ask you guys, what are you smoking? I could be happy with all of those things happening at the same well, time. Well, <laughs> you know, but if you think there may be some, uh, you know, some economic impact on your business by one way or the other, you take a position that I think uh, is consistent with trying to build the asset. And the one thing we did at the NBA was to build it up for the benefit of owners and players alike, and fans, we thought, as well. 
and now it's it's changing in a way where, for example, the projected new football leagues are going to be highly and intensely focused on technology. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. That's not something, in a, historically, technology followed. We had a sport. We had broadcast television. There was cable. We had cable. There was satellite. We had satellite. There was digital. We had a digital network. There was the Internet. There was NBA.com. There was social media. There was NBA involvement. Now I think as people think about the variety of new sports that we're going to have, whether it's uh, new football leagues, new rugby leagues, drone racing leagues, or even e-sports leagues, the technology is just simply going to play a fundamental role that it hasn't historically played. I'd like to get one final thought from each of you, uh, and I'll start with you, Davion. In five years, what do you hope Shot Tracker will be able to do that it can't do right now? Well, um, I think in five years, um, you know, we have a saying here at Shot Tracker that Shot Tracker should be the gyms, his Wi-Fi, the coffee shops. Um, and, and my goal is that in some period of time, you know, whether it's three to five years, that we're proliferated across the world, that you know, people, every gym is, is shot tracker enabled. And, um, you know, I think that's, some, that's not something that we're, we're there yet right now, but I'd love to see that happen in five years. And, of course, that comes with, you know, coaches, players, market makers, broadcast, um, you know, fans, everybody being able to consume and, and use the data in a manner that they see fit. And, David, I'll let you look into the future, too. It's been almost five years since you stepped down, so it will be ten, five years from now. What do you think the NBA is doing that they're not doing right now? Boy, they seem to be so ahead of the game in terms of digital and international and having an E-League with NBA 2K League that I just think they're going to be just further developed uh, but what I think that Shot Tracker will do over time is pick up in an important way from the shooting efficiency that we now see, where Clay Thompson can hit 14 threes and Steph Curry is shooting from 30 feet instead of 23, exploiting the defenses because he can do it. Well, we're going to have. Remember a few years ago, Bram, everyone was complaining about the highlights emphasizing slam dunks, but with Shot Tracker, you're going to see young people, boys and girls, get on the court at practice, and they're going to perfect their shooting because the numbers will compel them to improve their shooting. And, and that's, the fans are loving the shooting. They, it's a, it is a whole new game. And Shot Tracker will continue to help it grow. And I think we could all agree on that. We, we hope the end game, no matter what it is, even with all this data and people's games improved, the beauty of the game can't leave. The individuality can't leave, correct? Oh, of course not. And, and we always say it's the game that brought us here. But now to watch what Golden State does, it's, it's, a, it's a different game in terms of the shooting proficiency. But it's just as beautiful as any part of the game was before. I would say that, it, it, yes, it's just as beautiful. And the thing I love about it, especially with GSW, is that, I mean, it's given hope to individuals. Before you had to be like 6'11", and 
can jump out the gym, right? And um, it's it's given hope to the everyday man, which is which is very exciting. David Stern was the commissioner of the NBA from 1984 through 2014. Davion Ross is one of the founders of Shot Tracker, which David Stern is an investor and advisor. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks, Bram. Thanks, Bram. As always, we are staying ahead of the game. This is the Sport Techie Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.